opportunities. The sports perspective. Broadcasting live on Facebook. Made available through NBS Central. Welcome to Larson Live. This is the Sports Perspective with Larson. to be here. Thank you for joining me. This is Larson Live on the NBS Central Network, nothing but Sports Central. I am your host, Michael Larson. Follow the YouTube page, follow the YouTube channel, nothing but Sports Central. Find it, follow it, like it, subscribe. Spotify, make sure you check that out as well. We just got that going. My shows will be up there very soon. This week, all my shows will be uploaded. Just got to get down on that, guys. Just got to grind it out. That's all. A lot of editing and uploading and uh, using my Wi-Fi. It's not actually my Wi-Fi. Um, I'll, I'll just have to take a, take a break from video games while I, uh, while I upload those because there's no possible way that I can play games while that goes on. Um, a lot of good stuff today. A couple guests, Dryden, NFL expert right there, Marlon, talking college football. He'll be on in about 15, 20 minutes. Talk about the things that have transpired to, uh, today over the last week. And uh, we'll also be talking to some NBA as well. And we're blessed. I want to thank you again for joining me. Glad to be here. Should have been here yesterday, had some car issues, had to get that checked out. It's not my car, so I'm double checking on it. I started the, I got a little um, check engine light on it. I wasn't messing with that. So I had to go get that checked out real quick before I made the cross town drive um, to get to the studio. And uh, everything was cool. Just had to reschedule for today, but I'm glad I'm here and ready to rock. We have some big news today. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 have canceled their season. That is truly, truly unfortunate. And, you know, there's, there's, there's two sides to this. There's the sides that say it's outrageous, it shouldn't be happening. And then there's the sides that say, yes, it's, it's, it's the right thing to do. It's the right decision to make. I'm not, on the, I'm not in that group. I think that I think that the college season should continue. I think that they've made the necessary precautions to take care of these things. We have studies. The statistics show that the risk is it's it's minimal, but it's still risky, of course. The statistics say that there will be infections, of course. But the deaths, I'm not so sure. The deaths aren't something that we have to worry about too much. You look at you look at the data that Professor Sheldon Jacobson provided me last week that I 
made public yes uh, last week. I published it here. Um, brought him on my show, talked to him about his data, what he found, and it and and basically the data shows that the only people that can get killed from this, the only people that can cause a spread are the athletes themselves. They are the ones most at risk. And they're the ones that have to make the decision to stay away from others, to quarantine, and to focus on football and studies, and that, that's it. Those are their, that, that's their decision. Either they do those things, they either focus on their studies and sports, no partying, no, social, no socializing, and if there is a little bit of socializing, that they're taking the necessary precautions and wearing gloves and wearing masks um, and keeping their distance. If they make the, if they do the right things, then the season can happen. This is all up to the players, and I don't know why the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are making this decision here. I don't know what spooked them. I really don't. I I don't know if it's maybe the, um, I don't I don't know if it's maybe the, the unions, the unions that has caused them to cause them to get a little scared about this stuff. Um, but I mean, unanimous, unanimous from the Pac-12 to postpone all sports. Very, very uh, politically correct quote, the health and safety and well-being of our student athletes and all those connected to the Pac-12 sports have been number one priority since the start of this current crisis. Our student athletes, band staff, and all those who love college sports would like to have seen the season play with this calendar two years away to Tampa where we know how the point this point this is that's it that's all we get um god they I, I just don't understand why they why they ended this look the ceo the ceo of uh, the pac-12 he says our student athletes are part of broader campus communities they're living with peer students on campus, interacting, and enough questions and concerns have been raised that we didn't feel comfortable moving forward. It's all on the players. That's it. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 have demonstrated the lack of faith in their players and their student athletes. The lack of faith to quarantine, to socially, to stay socially distant from others. It's, it's not right. They didn't even try. It doesn't even seem like they've tried. Michigan themselves have had zero tests, zero positive tests for Jim Harbaugh. The players want the season to go. The coaches want the season to go. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it. It's not a... It's not impossible. The Big Ten, the Big Ten, they voted uh, twelve to two to cancel the season. I like how the Big Ten is full of is filled with fourteen teams instead of ten. Um, but uh, so Pac-12 was unanimous. Big Big Ten almost unanimous. I just don't I don't understand why 
they 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 just they just didn't show any any faith in the student athletes at all. That's all it is. No faith. It's all up to the it's all up to the athletes, like Professor Sheldon said. The virus will dictate what happens. The players will dictate what happens. The travel isn't, he, when we talked about travel, when they're traveling, that's probably the easiest, uh, it's probably the, the, probably the easiest method for them to stay socially distant from people because they're just gonna be with their team. They stay with their team, they wear their masks when going into restaurants, traveling, when they're at the hotels. However, you know, Tinder is still a thing. Tinder is still a thing. So when they're traveling, it's up to the players to stay socially distant while they're traveling as well. They have to live in a bubble if they want the college football season. That's all it is. They say we want to, they say they want to play. You know, the baseball, baseball players, they said they wanted to play as well. They wanted to play. They want to play. They want to play. They, they, they berated everybody. Um, they, they were berating people, and uh, they, they were all over Twitter. And then when the season started, a lot of positive tests from several teams because they weren't staying socially socially distant. They weren't taking it seriously. And the MLB had to threaten a shutdown again for the second time. And finally, teams are starting to smarten up and there's been less positive cases, but it's still, it's still ramping a little bit. The Cardinals are still suspending their games or canceling their games because they aren't taking those uh, taking uh, precautions because they, they're still uh, getting uh, positive tests. Um, so, like I said, it's up to the players. That's all it is. I, I can't say anything else, anything more. I think that the, the programs, the conferences can do a better job of, they can do a better job of implementing procedures and rules to prevent players from socializing with people while they're traveling. But I mean, when it's, when it's, when they're, when they're at home, when they're on campus going to classes and um, practice and everything, I mean, it's just up to them. They have to stay socially distant and it's very likely that they won't do that. They say they want to play, but we're kids. We're all kids. We're all stupid. We're all stupid kids. I'm still a stupid kid. And I make terrible decisions. Risky decisions. And they will too. They will have a heat of the moment decision and do something stupid and possibly risk the entire season because of that one little decision. It's up to the players to be completely perfect, and the Pac-12 and the Big Ten can see that perfection is not going to happen. I'll have a couple messages here. 
advertising our shows. We'll be right back. This is Larson Live. Hey, this your boy, Jay Franchise, part of the NBS Central crew, as well as one of the greatest sports analysts to ever bless the sports waves. I'm here to tell y'all, check out our latest show, NBS Central's Uncensored, where we give you the rawest and realest sports analysis to date. In addition to that, download the app, NBS Central, in the Google Play and Apple iTunes stores. Check it out now. Peace. This is your boy, Just Justin, co-host of the number one show on the NBS Central, the Nothing But Sports Show, with co-host Mr. C, the Trendsetter. We discuss all the hottest topics of the week in sports. Check us out every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Central on the NBS Central Facebook page, and check out our clips weekly on YouTube and Spotify. Don't miss out. And we're back. I was lagging a little bit on the invitation to Marlon. He'll be joining us very shortly. I'll be looking out for that, checking my phone for updates on that. Um, sent him the invitation, so he should be ready pretty soon here. Um, going back to that college football, like I said, just to reiterate, it's all on the players. It's all on the players to take to take their necessary precautions, and it's obvious the Pac-12 can't do that. The, 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 the players can't do that. The Pac-12, the Big Ten, they can't take the risk they can't they can't take that risk they don't have a i don't know what the certain percentage of certainty you need is but you need a certain percentage of certainty and it's not close enough to 100 percent. it's just not you can't you can't you can't study that you can't study that um What is the percentage of certainty that you would need? It, like I said, it has to be it has to be close to one hundred percent. And the the closest you could do is set polls to say to have player. I mean, you'd have to. I mean, you'd have to schedule interviews with every player, figure out every one of their schedules. There is a way to do this. If you met with every single player and sat down with them and set a schedule so you knew every action that they did throughout the entire day. If you did that, that would provide a lot of data. That would. If, and it would hold them accountable. It would hold them accountable. Come on, Marlon. Join us now, brother. You got to be here, bro. God, I need a second person. I swear I do. I need a technical guy. <laughs> I need a technical guy so that they can take care of this stuff during the show. Um, I don't know. Maybe I just need to get my, my guests lined up before the show as well. Um, Man, this is frustrating. This is extremely frustrating. I just want to talk all, I just want to talk basketball and football. 
I'm going to have to take another break, guys. I'm sorry. We'll be right back. What's good? What's good? What's good? This is your boy, Truex, the sports junkie of the Let's Talk About It show, the Stardom Sit'em show, and, of course, the Nothing But Sports show. And when I'm not on the panel, smashing J Franchise, Keo, and, of course, my homie, Mr. Box Office, Yvonne, I'm tuned in to my boy, Mike Larson, on Larson Live. Hey, this your boy, Jay Franchise, part of the NBS Central crew, as well as one of the greatest sports analysts to ever bless the sports waves. I'm here to tell y'all, check out our latest show, NBS Central's Uncensored, where we give you the rawest and realest sports analysis to date. In addition to that, download the app, NBS Central, in the Google Play and Apple iTunes stores. Check it out now. Peace. Sorry about the delay, people. Sorry. Like I said, until I'm rich enough where I can pay somebody to take care of all this crap for me, this isn't this isn't gonna go smoothly. And he's still not in yet. He's still not in. I'm ready to talk basketball, Marlon. My God, bro. Finally, this old ass man can't even get in here. My God. Here we go. Finally. What the hell is that picture? Oh my God. What the hell is that, people? Look at that picture. Oh my God. Unmute your mic, bro. <laughs> Look What's at that here, picture. <laughs> one, one, one quick one quick second. Oh no, look at that thing. <laughs> this boy's cooling on the couch here. <laughs> this is his Tinder profile. What is, what is uh, plentyoffish.com? <laughs> oh, my God. What did they have before MySpace? This was his MySpace profile picture right there. Hey. That, was, that was the original before hey. he had gray hair on his chin. Hey, uh, you know, I could teach you a few things. Oh, man, bro. You got some wisdom on it. You got some wisdom. <laughs> you got I'm some trying, years on me. I'm trying to school dudes. <laughs> I'm trying to school dudes everywhere. Exactly. Is that is that the right angle right there? Was that the is that the is that the angle that every woman wants to see right there? <laughs> no way. Oh, hey, that hey, that 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 picture did numbers. It did. It did, it did. It did numbers. <laughs> I bet it did. Let's go. Um, well, sorry about the technical issues again, people. Um, but Marlon's on now. Like I said, until I get paid enough where I can get somebody to handle all the technical stuff for me. So I don't have to worry about that and multitask and stuff. Um, it won't go smoothly until then. But we'll get better every week. This is the NBS Central Network, the Nothing But Sports Central Network, and we're only going to get better every day. Uh, Marlon, what's going on, brother? You heard me talk on the show a little bit already, right? Yeah, I'm doing good, bro. Okay, good. Um, you don't got to worry about all that stuff. No worries, bro. Yeah. Uh, no worries. Just uh, uh, let's talk to college football, bro. The Pac-12 canceled. The Big Ten canceled. Yeah. Um, and in my eyes, it shows a lack of faith in the players from the from the conference standpoint, um, because it's all on the players to stay away from others, to follow the rules, to socially distance, and to stop the spread. And I think that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten canceling the season 
shows a lack of faith in, in the players on being able to do that. What do you think? Um, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Oh, okay. About to, give you, about to give you a little bit of a lesson right now. Let's hear it. Them canceling the season is about liability. It's not about trusting the players to do the right thing or not. It's about liability. Finally, the chancellors and presidents and ADs are finally listening to their medical councils as well as their general counsel, which is their lawyers for the conference and the individual schools. And mm -hmm. the medical people and the lawyers are telling them, hey, if somebody dies on your watch, you're going to be liable. Right. And you're going to have to pay. See, it's about it liability. It's not, like, it's not like the NCAA hasn't had hasn't had kids die before, though. Right. But this is this is something totally different, though, because we don't even have a vaccine yet, and you, we're still learning more and more about this virus on a daily basis. No, no administrator on any of these campuses want to have that conversation with a parent if a child dies or a child or I, I should say a young man, a young athlete gets terminally ill or something from this. They don't right. want to have that conversation, plain and simple. And like I say from the start, this is about liability and they don't want to be liable. Yeah, see, I'd like to see, I'd like to see the details on that, I guess. There's a lot, there's a lot of paperwork regarding that, but I mean, you look at the health-related deaths in the last, um, from 2010 to 2019, last 10 seasons, there were, why are they in parentheses? FBS teams in parentheses. There were, um, 2018, there was two, 17-2, 16-3, 15-4. 2014 6, uh, 2012 3, 2011 6, and 2010 5. Um, what is that? Uh, do some quick math here. 4, 7, 11, 17. Yep. How yep. many of those How many of those deaths came at Power 5 schools? Power 5 schools? It looks like, oh, I don't know. I don't know Power 5, but I know that it looks like on average about one. Two, two, about two, two to, yeah, about, you would say two to three deaths per year, health-related deaths per year to mm -hmm. FDS teams, to FDS teams. Um, that's what it looks like. Yep. Uh, so, you know, FBS is what, two, 100 and, 110, 115 teams? Yeah. Um, so, so on average, about two out of, uh, of, of 110 teams, 115 teams, have, have health-related deaths during the season. And that's what mm -hmm. the numbers, that's probably what you would be getting out of COVID, would probably be a couple deaths, one or two deaths, um, whether it's a coach or a player. And so it's not like the numbers are different. Um, I don't, like people, it's the only difference, media coverage, is that it? Is because, you know, you can take, you can take precautions to prevent health, health-related deaths in, in college football, yet um, there aren't really, are there? I mean, I don't know, like, we don't, we don't know that. We don't know how regulated they are, how many tests they do, 
on players' hearts and their brains. Um, I doubt that they do. I doubt that they have medical medical facilities for that. Not especially not every every school in in FBS. Well, I'm gonna tell you. It's just pretty much bro. about about 98% of the power five schools have those resources to be able to do that because, you know, you can put, you can hook those players up to EKGs and, and whatnot, and you can see how their, their heart, you know, you know, operates yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Those yeah. schools, the, the most of the power five schools have that capability. Yeah. And um, I'm sure some of them, use that, you know, in their training because they, you know, they make individual training plans for different players, you know, based on pre-existing conditions some players may have. And, you know, they really get deep into the weeds and some of that stuff. So they they are aware of some of that stuff. But when it comes to COVID, you know, I've been saying this for for a while about all of this, you know, when it comes to your life and your health, there is no do-over. So you can't take that unnecessary risk because you may not get another chance. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty complicated question. I should probably do two hours of my show today. <laughs> um, I might actually do two hours because I have so much to talk about. Um, what else you got, so what, what else you got so about it? Like, ask, ask yeah, else that, about that, that, that's pretty much it with the COVID. Honestly, you can't really get too much deeper into it. Like I, like I said, there's what, what I, what I just said there. Um, oh, you can go regarding, deeper regarding medical. I know, bro, but like, you, there's still so much that we don't know. There's still so much that we don't know. You said that so they, that, that they've I'll, I'll kick medical. a question to you. Yeah. Please. I'll kick a question to you. So as you saw, uh, a lot of the Big Ten coaches, you know, they try to, I guess, add a little bit of fuel to, you know, sway people's minds to, you know, find a way to play. What do you think about some of those comments? I know Ryan Day from Ohio State, Jim Harbaugh from Michigan, uh, James Franklin from uh, Penn State, you know, were a couple of the ones. And, oh, and uh, Scott Frost from Nebraska. They, they were, you know, ones that actually – had comments about, you know, we want to play. Players too. Um, they yeah. also they they also were saying this. My I, I, I take them at their word. They want to play. They don't want to they don't want to sit on their ass for a whole year. You know, they're fucking bored. <laughs> you, you're you're right. You're right. They want they want to play. But I'm gonna go a little deeper for you and I want you to really, really think about what I'm about to say. Uh, well, number one when Jim Harbaugh spoke, I laughed at him. You know why I laughed at him? Because Harbaugh, he knows that if he doesn't beat Ohio State this year, that his job might start dangling before his eyes. So right. his motivation to want to play is all about beating Ohio State. And that's it. That's a couple of young guys. For sure. That's his only that, goal for the year. That's his only goal. If, if he went one in 10 or whatever, they would be happy because they beat Ohio State. Some of the other guys like Scott Frost in Nebraska, yeah, he wants to win big games because he doesn't have any marquee wins under his belt at Nebraska, per se. Um, James Franklin, he's had a couple of marquee wins, but he needs a few more as well. So a lot of those guys, as far as coaches, their motivation is 
all about their personal game, you know, about their wins and loss record. Ryan Day, yeah, he wants to coach, but part of his wanting to coach is he knows that this is it with Justin Fields because Justin Fields is gone. And yep. with there not being a fall season, we will not see Justin Fields in the spring if they no. decide to play in the spring. So no. he knows that if there's nothing in the fall, Justin Fields is peace. He's out of yeah, there. Yeah, this spring football crap right here, like there's no way that they're going to have spring football. Like there's not, they're not going to have their top players. There's no elite player nope. will play. Um, fuck, I mean, you don't even have to have an elite player. Just NFL prospects in general, they're not going to play in the spring because if they get injured – they're freaking done. Their career is done. They won't. They they have to. They'll have to restart. And no, it, it would set them back so much, or possibly set them back forever. Um, there's no way that they would do that because they would not have enough recovery time before the draft or this or the NFL season in in general. They wouldn't be ready for the NFL season if they got a serious injury in in February. Um, so no, there's no way that they'll they'll have their spring football. Spray, spring football elite talent there. Um, the coaches, I, I don't, see what you're saying. Don't quote me on. Like, you, you don't think that Jim, like, you don't think that Jim Harbaugh would be okay with, um, in his mind, like, it's either, these are the two options here. In his mind is that he has extreme confidence um, that his team is good enough to beat Ohio State this year, and he wants to beat Ohio State this year and get that chance, and they're taking away that chance. And then the year after, if they don't, if he won't have the same team. So I think that's probably the most likely scenario there is that he has, I mean, Harbaugh's a very confident guy. He's an alpha. He's a head coach uh, that, that is very confident in his skills and his team building skills. He's always been extremely confident. Um, and I think that he is very confident. He has, he has confidence in his team to beat Ohio State this year. And that, and I think his job is more at risk now if they don't have a season than it would if um, there, there's less, there's less things that he can control. There's less control if he um, has a season, th th if he, if he has a season, uh, if they, if they eliminate the whole season this year, you know what I mean? Because if you have a whole year, in between, like if you if you pass on this whole year, then there's injuries, there's players leaving, there's recruits that might switch up on you. You have no idea what your team is going to look like. You have less idea of what your team is going to look like the the next year, and so less confidence in your ability to beat Ohio State the next year. So that's why he's probably pushing for a season, like you said. His job is less at risk if he if they have a season now. I, it's of course personal game, but. I don't see a problem with that, do you? Do you see a problem with him wanting to have a season to save his job? Um, you make some good points. You, you, you do. You make some very valid points. Um, but, I, you know, I, I always look at things a little deeper. Like, you know, you, you use the uh, – there's a key word in your, your, your last, you know, comments that you had, and that word was control. And the one thing that all of these college coaches – want to have this control and what's the one thing that's affecting their control COVID-19 that's the reason another reason why 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 they pulled the plug on the season because nobody has full control over what can happen in any of the scenarios that you could think of nobody has control and if you don't have control you will not take that risk and liability 
I, I understand that. And there's, they don't know much. I mean, I don't know what people know about the medical aspects of this as well. We, well, we have, we have very State, limited knowledge on it, right? Michigan State, uh, their president is an epidemiologist. So he, he fully understands how, you know, viruses can move and, and spread. And, you know, there's other epidemiology, guys. Epidemiology, that's a study of epidemics, basically. So, like, the Spanish flu, the Black Plague, all that. He just, that's what all, he studied all in, that his, stuff. in his studies. So, you know, they, who the they hell, understand. Who the hell goes to school for that shit? Yeah, people that are a lot smarter than us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. But, I mean, who really goes to school for that? Who wants to go to school and study epidemics? That's hey, it's, it's. It is, it is a very important job, as you see nowadays. During these times, it's a very every, important job. <laughs> every hundred years, yep. <laughs> every hundred years, you can, get, you, you can use an epidemiologist. But, um, I, I want to see a season just like anybody else. I, I do. I do. But I also understand that, you know, you just the, – the livelihood of everybody is at stake right now. And, you know – we just we don't want to take that chance of of you know that happening and and on a lighter note mike let me ask you this yep the average college student age 18 to 22 can you really control their movements about no. campus no exactly that's, that's that's what i said the the most the most like the, i think the most you can do as a program, as a school, is to sit down with every single player. You would have to sit down with every single player and go over their schedules. You would have to go and, and, and see, and you would have, you you and the player, whether you're the coach, the admin, it's it's so tedious. It's, it'd be so, and, and you wouldn't even be able to, like you said, you can't control the player's schedule too. You can't, um, you can't just like, if they could, they could say that they're doing, uh, they're studying from, uh, from eight to nine at the library um, in the morning, uh, in the morning. But instead, they're—I don't know—or or at night. Uh, but instead, they're somewhere else. They're—they're—they're they're, they're at the, with their Tinder hookup. You know, um, exactly. Like you can't—you can't control it. You can't—you can—you can do everything you can to to try and get as much knowledge as possible. But you have, like you said, it's—it's it's not like the NBA. The NBA is so easy because there's only 15 players, 17 players per team. Um, everybody can be bubbled. Everybody, uh, I mean, you can set, uh, they probably have security guards at the, at the desk and stuff at every exit. So just to see if anybody <laughs> leaves, and, um, uh, like there's, it's, 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 I don't know, you know, like with, with the bubble, the, the NBA bubble is like a, uh, it's, working. Um, it's, it's a first class, first class resort prison for, uh, for basketball players. That's what it is. Um, and it's working, <laughs> and it's working, and they're getting to do what they love. Um, but at the same time, uh, I hear that they're getting burnt out from it. It's just basketball, basketball, basketball. Uh, so that would yeah. be interesting to see who has the most mental strength there. Um, uh, like, like, like you said, we're we're gonna get into basketball pretty soon here. Um, I'm laughing but, at. I'm actually laughing at the SEC right now because, you know, they're so freaking stubborn. They're, they're, they keep kicking the can down the road. And you know, we know what they're doing. They're so afraid to tell their constituents who yep. donate money that oh, look, yeah. it's not going to happen. Yep. They're too, exactly af they're, they're too afraid of that. 
everybody is taking a loss during this pandemic in everybody. some way, shape, or fashion. Everybody's taking a loss. Hey, are we getting those stimulus checks yet? I keep. I looking. don't know. I, I swear, I Google that every day. I I Google the stimulus check every day to see if I got an update on that. I, was, <laughs> I swear, I saw something that uh that we're gonna get another one, but uh, I think we're supposed to get an update this week, like Thursday or Friday. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, everybody's taking a loss. Everybody's taking a loss. But those 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 big wigs, they don't want to take losses. They they it, it it like it really bites them in the ass when they take a loss. And they take it harder than I say they take it harder than a lot of normal people when they have to take a loss. Like, you know, if if you if you lost a thousand bucks, you just gotta suck it up. Hey, I can't do this next month because I don't have any money. They take it like, hey, I might want to go jump off a bridge. It's all over with, you know. <laughs> I hear that. I'd love to sit in their meetings and be a and fly on the wall. Yeah, fly on the wall. Just hear what they what they what they're saying. You know, like what are, are they saying the same things that I am? Which is, you know, they they have medical they have medical deaths every year, um, and it's not much different. You know, it's not much uh, more risk than, uh, it, it, than that. It, there's there's I'm, I'm still stuck on that, bro. Stuff. They're, like, they're saying some of the same stuff that normal people say is just the caveat to it is their lawyers are telling telling them, hey, if you guys really want to go forward with this move, just know that, you know, down the line, you're going to have tons of lawsuits possibly pending against you. I, I, I'm stuck on, I'm staying on the media thing. I think it's just, uh, yeah, I, it's just media coverage. There's no, there's no more it's 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 obviously very infectious um and as of right now we'll say from the statistics right now but we don't know what it's going to look like when it gets cold again how how worse it will get you know if the if the virus mutates or something we again we don't know much about this virus they're doing tests yep. and tests and tests every day they're testing it but we still have the american people as a whole have no 100 percent conclusion on where it came from why it came from there and uh um and and uh and what it will you know what it exactly is what what it will what will happen to it um we don't have a hundred percent conclusion on that um where was i going with this but anyway yeah so so as of the data right now we can say that it's infectious but in in terms of deaths it's not it's not much more likely that you're gonna that you're gonna get a get a death or two than it is from the medical deaths that we have in previous years in college football in the FBS. Um, the only difference, and, and so the lawyer, you're talking about lawyers um, and the liability, the only more liability and, and, and legal problems is the media coverage on it. Because I'm sure that every, I'm sure that every, the, 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 the medical deaths that have happened in the past, I'm sure that there were lawsuits, but they weren't widely covered. You know, no, that's that's true. That that's true. But, but if there I was think a COVID it, death, there were it would there was so much media coverage. Right now, I think it's more so about the long term effects. You know, they 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 have that study now that's showing that a lot of people are getting that uh that heart condition, myocardiosis or something like that. It's it's a heart condition yeah. that causes the yeah. heart to swell. Yeah. So so if a bunch of if we, yeah, if we got, um, you know, I, I see that if there's a high percentage, like 70, let's people. say if everybody, let's say that, um, 
five percent of let's say ten percent of the uh, of uh, college football players, which is thirteen thousand players, right? I want to say, um, give or take. Uh, so ten percent of that, um, thirteen hundred players. Thirteen hundred players get COVID, and let's say a thousand of those thirteen hundred players got that. Uh, what do you what do you heart call condition. it? That heart. My, it's like my, Michael Car, Car, Michael Cardiosis or some, something like that. But yeah. it's, it's a heart condition that makes the heart swell due to COVID. Yeah. Yeah, and if they got that and either died or have serious health conditions from it, can't play football, can't go to the NFL, something like that, um, there would be a thousand lawsuits. Yes, because <laughs> be people, sue, lawsuits. Yeah. Pe people sue nowadays for money that, like, you can sue somebody for money that you would have made because of, you know, your potential or skill set, you know? You know, and that's what a lot of guys would sue for, hey, I yeah. I got this virus. I, I got a heart condition. I could have been a first round pick, or I could have yep. I could have done this. Look at my stats, basically, you know, compared to this guy that was yeah, all that kind of stuff, huh? I was on track to be a first round pick. Look at look at look at yeah, look at look at my statistics and uh, and my measurements and and forty time, and then compared to this guy in the NFL, their statistics, who they play. I was going to be the man. Yeah, I was going to be just like them. Um, yeah, I see what you're saying. Let's move on to NBA, bro. Bubbles working there. Um, yes, bubbles working there. Uh, makes sense. I hope they they might be able to figure something out for college basketball. Uh, but pretty much the same thing as college football. You know, you can't control young people, but you can control uh, athletes like this. Uh, bubble awards. I was actually before the before those uh, awards came out. Uh, they, they they said that they were they were going to give out. Today, the little news came out that they're going to have a bubble first team and stuff uh, um, and uh, bubble MVP. Um, I was going to do that myself. And uh, now, they, now they, yeah, then now they can't. And then they came out with it. So that kind of makes me mad. Um, so it looks like I'm piggybacking off that. Uh, but who's your MVP for the bubble? I got two. Oh yeah, Devin Booker and Damian Lillard. I'm trying to decide between them. I think Devin Booker. I, I have good. three. I have Damian Devin Lillard. Booker, should probably get that. Though. Damian good. Lillard and Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry's yeah, he's interesting. He's been very solid. And he's Kyle Lowry's always solid. solid though. He doesn't have those numbers though. He doesn't. He's not averaging thirty plus like Lillard and uh, Booker. But it's it's. I think it's more so his leadership. You know. Oh, you of know, course. His but leadership has, has really helped them this year. Yeah, I'm not – I'm not – yes, I, I completely agree. But, I mean, when it comes to the media, they're not going to vote Kyle Lowry for MVP. Oh, yeah, I, I know. I'm, I'm glad you appreciate him like I appreciate him. And I'm sure every Raptors uh, uh, fan appreciates him as well. He's He does all that dirty work. He does all the dirty work. He does everything right on the court, almost everything right. Uh, I think this very, dude – this dude has taken like the most charges in the history of the league, or something like that. He's uh, he he uses his body well. He yeah. um, generates content tact well. He takes good shots. He makes the right passes. Sometimes he does a little bit too much on the passing. Tries to do thread a needle that's not there. Um, but other than that, I mean, he plays as good defense as he can for a short, chubby, uh, um, Philly non-athletic. Yeah, yeah, um, Philly <laughs> kid. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, uh, so MVP, that's who I got there. Uh, top five, your, your first team. Um, I got to go Booker 
but you, you got to go Booker, uh, Lillard, Leonard. Um, I don't think LeBron's making that. His shooting's been terrible. Yeah, his his shooting has been terrible. It's it's been very terrible. Luca, like, Luca. Yeah, yeah. Luca has been. That. He's um, been in the mix. You need a TJ Warren. TJ Warren. Yeah, you can't you can't have five wings though. And TJ Warren had two bad games. He got hot for two yeah. games, but he got he had two bad games. So I'm I'm taking Ooh, him out of there. Yeah, he's he's going second team now. Um, you need a big. Uh, it might be a Anthony Davis. Uh, Gobert's been pretty good too, though. Um, oh, Jokic. Jokic is probably the the pick right there. Yeah, I'd probably. Jokic. He's been playing very well. So. Oh, for, go for, so, uh, Michael Porter Jr. for second team. I know. I was thinking him too. Yeah. Oh, for second team. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, so for first team, I'll say Devin Booker. Devin, we got Lillard, Harden. Uh, for guards and then forwards, you have Booker and Leonard, and then center, you got Jokic, and that's my first team right there. Question Do you think Paul George has played a little bit better than Kawhi Leonard in the bubble? No. I think his no. his shooting, his shooting to me has been a little more been a little more consistent from the three. Let me look at these stats. He's had a lot of big shots for for the Clippers. Yeah. But I know Kawhi Leonard dropped thirty nine. He went for thirty nine the other the other night. But Paul George has been pretty steady when he's played as well in the bubble. Let's see. Uh, since the bubble, we got Leonard with thirty nine, twenty nine, twenty seven, twenty four, twenty eight um, on seven for sixteen, six for sixteen, ten to twenty one, ten to twenty three, fourteen to twenty five. So just under four fifty percent, probably about forty eight percent there, forty seven. Um, and then you got uh, Paul George. He's got – he had 30, 30, 28, 23, 24, and 21. And he's probably a bit closer to 50% actually than, uh, than, than Kawhi Leonard. He has shot better, but he's averaging less points, less assists, less rebounds. Um, yeah, they're, they're – honestly, it's just points. Yeah, he's probably – they're probably pretty similar in rebounds and stat and assists, but um, – you know, Kawhi's got the defense, and yeah, you know what? Yeah, I can, I can see the, I see on the numbers wise, numbers wise, I can see they they got they're pretty close, but just watching the game, I could I could see Kawhi Leonard taking over way more times than Paul George. Paul George just gets his still, you know, he's not like taking over and stuff as much as I see from Kawhi. Um, yeah, he need, he need to stop clowning Dame, trying to clown Dame too. <laughs> I didn't even talk about Giannis. Giannis might, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But they they they've been a little bit up and down in this bubble though. They, they have, but his numbers have been great. He's averaged he's averaging thirty. He had thirty four, thirty three, sixteen, thirty six, thirty six. You probably have to put him instead of Kawhi, honestly. Yep. Yeah, Bucks. Uh, Giannis, he's not really getting anybody any 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 second player to really step up consistently with him. He's kind of doing them all all himself. Chris Middleton, he's been a little bit, you know, silent, I would say, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, brother. Um, let me uh let me wrap this uh first hour on and uh then I'm gonna continue on next hour. Um uh so make sure you make sure you watch the rest, bro. I'm gonna be talking NFL with uh, Dryden and stuff. Thank you for coming on, brother. Peace. Yes sir. All right, everybody, we'll be right back.
Take a quick break. This is Larson Live on the NBS Central Network. This your boy, Just Justin, co-host of the number one show on the NBS Central, the Nothing But Sports Show, with co-host Mr. C, the Trendsetter. We discuss all the hottest topics of the week in sports. Check us out every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Central on the NBS Central Facebook page, and check out our clips weekly on YouTube and Spotify. Don't miss out. Oh, and we're back. Thank you for joining me. This is Larson Live on the NBS Central Network. Live on Facebook, follow the YouTube channel. Dryer will be coming on on next hour, um, about 20 minutes. Get him on. We'll talk NFL. We're going to break down a couple divisions. We're going to break down the NFC South. We're going to talk NFC West as well, where his Seahawks reside. Um, good stuff from Marlin. Always bringing in some, some wisdom and uh, insight on what the big wigs are thinking. That's what I like to hear from him. Um, some of this sounds like conspiracy theory sometimes, but he, he gives great factual um, uh, insight on where these old heads are thinking in their minds of liability, of business, of guidelines, what they, what they have to do to save their money. Because that's what this world relies on is money. And I'm sure that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have looked at every possibility. Yeah, right. They've looked at a few possibilities and they see that there is a high risk of them losing a lot of money and they don't want to lose a lot of money by having a season. It would, there's a, there's, there's two, there's two things here. That's it. There's two things. There's a risk to play the football season, but to play the football season, you make more money and you don't have to worry about that risk because the money that you make, the revenue that you make from the season will outweigh the risk of whatever would happen if there was a season and something, uh, and, and something bad happened. Or there's the risk to not have a season, not lose any money at all from COVID, but you lose money from not having a season. Those are your two things right there. And obviously they're too scared about losing money from whatever could happen with COVID. And what Marlon said was absolutely right. The, the medical, the, the heart condition that you can get from COVID long-term, very possible that there are long-term effects, health, health condi uh, heart conditions that you can get. And again, 13,000 players in the, in the college football about, let's say again, 10% of those players, let's say 10% of those players get COVID and a thousand of those players have health conditions passed for, for years. They're going to sue. And then you got a thousand lawsuits on your hand that you have to deal with and an enormous media coverage. I can absolutely see why the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are saying, you know what, the risk of a thousand lawsuits is pretty great. God, they'd get ripped apart. College football would be ripped apart. Why wasn't there medical insurance for the players? 
like there's just so much i mean especially when they were when the union started as well it's just too much people there's so like you guys got to think about this stuff you guys have to think about this stuff the unions come out the player unions come out and they say we want health insurance we want health insurance long term so that after our playing careers are done we still have health insurance just in case something happens. The players are told to play this year. The season goes on. We'll figure out the medical insurance later. <laughs> we'll figure out the medical insurance later. Players get COVID. Nothing happens with the medical insurance. A thousand players end up having heart conditions past their careers five years down the line. Who's paying up? Who's paying up? The Pac-12 and the Big Ten, they said, we're not going to be paying up. SEC, they need, they need to figure things out. Big 12 has been extremely silent. Mountain West, they said, nope. Big Sky, they said, nope. All these, <laughs> everybody just needs to fall in line because obviously the risk of, of, of those lawsuits is just too great. You can't handle that. You can't handle that heat. The heat from the media, the heat from, uh, from the public, and the heat coming out of your pocketbooks. That's just too much. That's all it is. It's not that hard. I'm gonna have to write an article about this, people. I'm gonna have to write an article about this one. Cause I got plenty to, I mean, I, I gotta wrap this all up. I gotta wrap this up in a, in a one little article. Again, there's so much, there's so many factors regarding this, but it all comes down to money. Why does everything come down to money, people? Everything. That's all people care about. God, man. Why can't we just have fun? <laughs> Why does everything have to revolve around money? Unbelievable. I'm doing a second hour of this show. Today I'm doing a second hour. Call it for being late by a whole day. So it looks like I have to do two hours. Um, thank you for joining me. This is Larson Live. We'll be right back. A couple messages and then you get to listen to the beautiful intro song again. This is Larson Live on the NBS Central Network. This your boy, Just Justin, co-host of the number one show on the NBS Central, the Nothing But Sports Show, with co-host Mr. C, the Trendsetter. We discuss all the hottest topics of the week in sports. Check us out every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Central on the NBS Central Facebook page, and check out our clips weekly on YouTube and Spotify. Don't miss out. Hey, this your boy, Jay Franchise. Part of the NBS Central crew, as well as one of the greatest sports analysts to ever bless the sports waves. I'm here to tell y'all, check out our latest show, NBS Central's Uncensored, where we give you the rawest and realest sports analysis to date. In addition to that, download the app NBS Central in the Google Play and Apple iTunes stores. Check it out now. Peace. What's good? This is Truex the Sports Junkie, and you're now rocking with Mike Larson on Larson Live. Let's get it. Embrace 
the sports perspective. Broadcasting live on Facebook, made available through NBS Central. Welcome to Larson Live. This is the Sports Perspective with Larson. Glad to be here. Thank you for joining me. This is Larson Live on the MBS Central Network, nothing but Sports Central Network. Follow the YouTube page, like, share, subscribe, go to Spotify, follow the podcast, NBS Central, nothing but Sports Central. The full shows will be on there. YouTube will have your favorite clips on there, graphics. And don't forget, we got more shows. This isn't just Larson Live. This isn't the Larson Live Central Network. This is the NBS Central Network, nothing but Sports Central Network, which means you have the nothing but sports show that airs on Tuesdays after my show, 10 o'clock Central. Why don't I know these times yet, people? I'm so bad with this. Figure this out. I'm sorry. Tune in tonight, Nothing But Sports Show, where all they do is talk about sports because it's the Nothing But Sports Show. So they're going to talk sports, and you're going to get the best sports content from them. And then you got less talk about it. With two extra sports junkie, artist Keo, holding it down with their show, pop culture. They talk rap, they talk shoes, and of course, of course, they have to talk sports because that's what this is the Nothing But Sports Central Network. Talking NFL now. Boy, I got Dryden, who's coming on in 10 minutes. We're going to break down a couple divisions, we're going to throw out some statistics for you. He's got great statistics, great data. I say data, by the way. Um, He's got great data for you guys and for me. Because I know I haven't done enough research, not like this guy. So we're going to get that going. Something I saw that I was pretty concerned with. You know, in 2011, there was a lockout shortened season. There was a lockout shortened season. Very much like 2020, where we have a COVID-19 quarantine shortened season. And when I say season, shortened season, I'm talking shortened off season. Do you guys know what happened in 2011? When everybody came back, For the first 12 days of training camp, there were 10 Achilles tendon injuries. Ten Achilles tendon injuries in the first 12 days of campus of training camp, two additional injuries occurring in the next 17 days, which included the first two weeks of preseason competition. These players have not started contact yet, people. 
Thankfully, there's been no non-contact injuries that we've heard of too much. There was uh, Brandon Brooks, offensive lineman for the Eagles. He, I think he tore his Achilles when things started out. But he's getting in shape. That's the, that's the most notable injury we got. But they haven't started contact yet, which can easily change things. They, con they, they start contact tact in six days. Up until the first week of September, they'll have a, about three weeks, three and a half weeks to get ready for NFL games with contact. That's something we got to look at. Check out this graphic, people. Check out this graphic that I, uh, that I found that I want to show you. Let's try this out, okay? I'm screen sharing. Let's go. So hopefully you can see this right here. From 97 to 2002, NFL Achilles tendon ruptures. You had your Super Bowl, you had your preseason training, rookie draft, rookie minute camps, OTAs, all that kind of stuff. Training camp happens in this time. Then you have preseason, then your regular season, preseason from August to September. Then this happens. Super Bowl lockout all the way up until August. Now, when did the NFL start handling things in in this COVID-19 COVID season. Things started to move along around in the middle of July. That's when things happened. And then they're going to start contact right here a month later in August. I don't think we need to worry about these injuries too much, but it is something to look at, to be scared about, to pray about. Keep good thoughts for these players because we don't want to see them get injured. We don't want that. Not for selfish reasons like fantasy football, but for themselves as well. This has been a terrible year. Everybody's losing something. And if somebody was to suffer a career-ending injury or career-threatening injury, it would be very sad to see. And we'd be robbed of seeing somebody on the field that we should be able to see on the field. So keep good thoughts. Pray for everybody out there that's less fortunate. I pray for the people that are risking their lives out there for our entertainment and for our safety. Because there are people out there that are doing this for our safety, whether they're politicians, um, whether they are uh, first responders, people that work for the government, public, or our restaurant workers, whether it's our, our grocery store workers, there's people out there, and I'm just ranting a little bit now, but just to, just to get in your, in your eyes, see, see, see where we are. People, the, the NFL players, they're about to go risk their careers by going out to play. There are serious health risks, COVID-19 related and not COVID-19 related that can happen 
if they continue with this season. College football is taking the precautions to just eliminate that risk. No injuries, no COVID-19 sickness, no infections, no health, no heart conditions in, tw in 10 years due to COVID-19. We're not having that. NFL wants to push along. These guys are professionals. They're not amateurs like college. They're professionals. So they're going to go about this professionally. And they have some pretty cool stuff, too. Like uh, one of the – Derek Carr said that they have devices on in practice that, <laughs> that, that start beeping if they, if they get too close to somebody. That's pretty damn cool. I bet that college football doesn't have that. That's probably something that's either exclusive to the Las Vegas Raiders, who have a lot of money, or, or just NFL teams in, in general. They have technology that can help out with this. They're professionals. They're going out. They're risking their lives. They're risking their careers for our entertainment, for us to watch them on fucking TV. So have some respect. And the same thing that goes with everybody else, every politician, every old ass white man politician out there. Some are good, some are awful, evil people. But they are running our country. And the good ones, at least, we want to be safe and healthy. Every first responder, everybody that works for the public, our grocery workers, our restaurant workers, they're all risking their lives. They're all risking their health. No matter how serious you think this is or not, it is still a risk. I'm ready for NFL talk, though. That was uh, my little spiel on injuries. We got to be worried about that a little bit. Um, so just keep good thoughts out there. I think Dryden's ready. I don't even want to take a break. I just want to get right into it. That's what I want to do. So I'm going to promote him to host, promote him to panelists, allow him to talk, and let's see if he's ready to go. Oh, look at him. He's got a little sermon picture right there. Let's go. <laughs> What's up, man? How's it going? Let's go. What's happening, brother? Oh, you know, just enjoying my time, enjoying my summer, getting ready for cultural <clears throat> – <laughs> Ah. So sorry. Why do you have to do it like that? <laughs> and brought out so the seniors again. I love it, bro. You gotta uh, get a you gotta get a mic like this now. You oh, you didn't know you you're right. You're right. <laughs> I, I, I hope you see. You know, I'm representing because I don't know when I'm gonna be able to wear this. You know, yeah, who honestly, knows? So you, I gotta you represent. Just, you just look like a head coach right now, bro. You got your headset <laughs> on and stuff. You got your headset. Uh, you no, I'm ready to call the plays. You should have. You should have. You should have put on a Seahawks polo. Right. That would have been great. We're gonna go uh, Mark Forty Two Zebra Fly on the <laughs> Yes, sir. Hey, you know what? Pete Carroll needs a replacement pretty soon. He's, 60, <laughs> he's 68, 69. He's 69. He's yeah, he's oh, gonna turn 70 nice. during the season. Yes, sir. He's gonna be 70, so he he needs to he needs somebody to take over eventually. Eventually. Um, let's get these graphics up. I'm gonna share a screen and see if I can yeah. get these. Uh, uh, what you share with me. He's got some data. But people, we will figure this out um, a lot better. We're going to make uh, we're going to make the graphics a lot better in the coming future, um, especially since there's 
six more there's six more divisions that we're going to have to break down um so we're going to make these look real nice right now it's just a microsoft document um but we're going to make it look real nice on the uh on the on the on the on the next time uh, for the next six um for the next uh six divisions i'm just talking right now i'm just talking just to, just to fill time while i while i pull this up <laughs> tell uh tell tell my folks what you uh what you looked at what you uh what you were yeah. looking at on your nfl research yeah so i think the goal for these breakdowns it's really tough where okay we haven't had the preseason we don't have the preseason games to judge so really all we have last year is to look at, okay last year's statistics and then where are these individuals are they on the team do they retain them who are the acquisitions who are the departures and just looking at okay, how just analyzing how they drafted uh and so i think just identifying that i feel like we've done a good job identifying pretty much Everyone here is listed as either as a starter or a rotational guy. Uh, obviously, there's going to be practice squad guys and other guys that make it that we don't see. Uh, but this is just basically a list of people that we have here, if we get up on screen eventually, um, of the players that were probably deemed most important by NFL Network, ESPN, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, just complete list of acquisitions, departures, and everything. And then from there, uh, I did some more personal touch of the draft grade. I took a draft grade, combined it with NFL and ESPN draft grades to form a more balanced grade uh, and tried to make it not as, you know, my personal opinion, but as much as, okay, what were each analyst saying about these and their scouts, et cetera. Uh, then we have a breakdown of their toughest stretch in terms of opponents uh, when rates from last year, win-loss prediction, which is I have a ESPN, each analyst, each team had a specific analyst that did a prediction of them, uh, as well as my own personal one, which I can explain. And then breaking down each team's most important player to their team, their most important player to their scheme offensively and defensively. Good stuff. And here we have it now. Uh, like I said, a Word document, we're going to make it look nice and official for yes. the next few shows, but this is pretty official as it is on its own. Um, let's start with the NFC West. Um, right. The uh, Arizona Cardinals, they had a big offseason this year. Mm-hmm. What do you what, what, what do you see from the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, well, I look at you look at where the team was at last year. And OK, there was a lot of new works. So, OK, how is Cliff Kingsbury going to work in the NFL? What is he going to have with his system offensively, you know, defensively? We all know that Cliff Kingsbury is an offensive minded guy and he's going to bring in defensive coach and let him do his own thing. So I think it was, okay, what did the offense look like last year? And you know, there was potential last year. You could saw, okay, there wasn't a whole lot in terms of points, but you saw, you saw the, the press, the plays, we know we, we spent the first couple of weeks uh, back in, was it June already? When we were analyzing the Arizona Cardinals and their gameplay and you saw, okay, Kyler, you know, there's a couple times where he misery, but he did a little too much. But you also saw the flashness. You saw, oh, okay, the system can work in the NFL. And you saw uh, a deep throw. You, you saw a mm-hmm. strong arm. He has a yeah. beautiful arm. He has a beautiful arm. And now we see he actually has some weapons. Obviously, a huge trade getting DeAndre Hopkins, mm-hmm. uh, a guy that really, you look at the scheme of the NFL, no one has had really in the NFC West a super, super star wide receiver. Arizona no. has two. Yeah. Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins. So you you still calling Larry Fitzgerald a superstar? I put him as a uh, All Star, Pro Bowler, Howard caliber. DK uh, Metcalf or Larry Fitzgerald? Who do you want? This season coming up, I want DK Metcalf. Same yeah. game, I'm going DK Metcalf. Robert Woods or Larry Fitzgerald? Who do you want? 
Remember, Larry Robert Woods has I'm, had I'm, 80 catches. I'm taking Larry Fitzgerald, and the reason why I'm taking Larry Fitzgerald is you can put him in any scheme. Robert yeah. Woods, what's made him efficient is the scheme that the Rams have done where it's been, okay, you don't know where the ball's going to go. Play action, boot, stretch, run. So he can run the same route over and over again, but he doesn't actually have a high route tree. It's about getting him the ball open and letting him go, but he just doesn't have an efficient route tree. Larry can be X, Y, Z, spread, post. He can run any route. You saw him times when he was double covered, having to make himself open. So I think Larry's more versatile. And now mm-hmm. that you're going to have more one-on-one matchups with a DeAndre Hopkins guy, oh, you saw the yeah. impact Kenyon Drake had with just a couple games yeah. uh, being traded midseason, having a full season with him, which actually we'll get to him later when we talk about most important player for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we're going to see a lot more from Larry in terms of he might have – I think his catches will definitely be down. I actually think his yards per catch and his scores will be up. Because their gains, their, their, their gains were just uh, a lot, a lot more than their departures. DeAndre yeah. um, on the offensive side, Kenyon Drake uh, being in the offense now, mm-hmm. um, he's going to be more settled. Um, and then uh, on the defensive side, they added a lot of great stuff. And Josh Jones, I think, was one of the best tackles in the draft. I think, I, I think yeah. I had him number two. I, yeah. I had him number two or number three. I, I, I saw him uh, at Oklahoma uh, against Oklahoma. Um, when uh, Louisville played Oklahoma, and he just he was just mauling, he was just mauling. Yeah, and I, you know, uh, I think was, I, that was their most competitive game. I think he has the highest upside of any of the tackles. I think mm-hmm. the thing that's going to be CMs okay, how quickly does he develop? And I mentioned yeah. it several times throughout this notes is okay, we have a shortened off season, we have no mm-hmm. preseason. His first NFL snaps will be in an NFL starting game. So yeah. how quick will he pick up the game? How fast will the game be on him? I think that's mm-hmm. where the risk reward is going to be for a lot of these rookies on this list. I think Josh Jones, though, had the highest upside. But in terms of development right there, you know, he'd be a second or third guy. What, what is the start of the Cardinals, the start the of season. their season? What does yep. that look like? Uh, so the start of the season is – I have types. it right here. <laughs> I got right here. You gotta have uh, this memorized, bro. I'm asking no, you. <laughs> I, honestly, I honestly should. So they start the season at San Francisco, which is a little, you know, that's a tough yeah, one. They're gonna lose. Uh, they're at, then you kind of get a nice uh, two games in a row: home against Washington, home against Detroit. Uh, you know, Detroit was a tough one last year, but I don't think mm-hmm. Detroit is as good as a team as they were last year. I think they lost a couple good players. We'll yeah. see how they adjust. Uh, then they get a really tough road trip uh, being at Carolina at New York jets and then at Dallas. So, so just those, those first yeah. five, six games, those are going to be really key for Deandre Hopkins yep. to get settled in the offense exactly. or Isaiah Simmons to get settled with the defense and start making plays. Um, mm-hmm. And Josh Jones to get settled as well in the offense and stop missing. Uh, he's going to get exactly. destroyed. He's going to get destroyed by the 49ers. Exactly. Um, and I, I mean, I, but at least I would like to see. Yeah, I want to see how he does against the 49ers. Yeah. If he holds his own, oh, my gosh, that's insane. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a freak. But especially, it'll be difficult. Yeah, especially because you look at the second half of their schedule. I mean, you talk, going to November, home versus yeah. Buffalo, at Seattle, yeah. at New England, home against the Rams. You don't know how they're going to be. At mm-hmm. New York, home against Philly, home against San Francisco, at L.A. So those first five games that you mentioned, it's critical that they go four and one, three and two. You know, if we're four and one's lose, not happening. Four and one's not happening, but if they can go three and two, they got to be feeling really good. Yes, uh, but they, yes. they they have a fairly tough schedule, so yes, we'll see. Do. Yes, they do. Um, so uh, it looks like nine and seven prediction for you. Uh, oh no, why? That, that's eight, the eight ESPN. ESPN. Eight, I have been going eight, eight and eight, uh, which is one less. I think 
just because of you talk about development and terms of you, you're just talking about the lockout season. You look at seasons where, okay, teams that don't have to install new players into their system that don't have to build chemistry, those teams are going to succeed. Arizona, they're young. They don't have the as much experience as the rest of the three teams in the NFC West. So I think there's going to be some learning curves. And as you mentioned, how tough the second half of their season is, I think, I think it's going to be an average one for them. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to be a little bit above average, though. I just disagree there. I think the talent on that team, the coaching is going to get settled um, around that uh, Dallas game. I think that they could upset Dallas there. Um, yeah. and win that game. Um, and uh, that's when they, I, I think that they could get going yeah. um, as a team. I think going, the make, sorry, go ahead. Go, no, no, go ahead. I was going back yeah, to wrap I was going to say, I think what will, what would prove you right is if they find a position for Isaiah Simmons, because yeah. this guy, okay, Hey, this guy was rated as the, you know, second, third best player in the draft and he fell all the yeah. way down to the ninth pick. Well, the reason for it is okay, Same. cool. You can do a lot of things, right. But can you do one position? Excellent. You know, mm-hmm. is he a Mike? Is he a Leo? Is he a Ricky? Is he a safety? Mm-hmm. Is he a nickel? You know, That's extremely key, especially for a team that doesn't have, you know, there's not, there's not a Bobby Wagner or, you know, another guy on this team that they can look to and play around. He's the guy. He has to be the leader. He has to be the vocal point. So how quickly he picks that up into a position that's natural to him, that's where I think it's going to be difficult. I like that. That's good stuff. Devin Kennard will be uh, will be a nice, um, mm-hmm. strong sideline yes. for them. Yes, 100%. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be able to pass rush there and focus on that. So that's always going to be a nice asset. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, I, I love that. Isaiah Simmons is the key there, finding the position for him. Um, yeah. Moving on to the Rams, we don't have to go too deep on them because they're just – they're a whole yeah. mess. They got talent on their team. They got Aaron, Do- Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, um, a, a nice passing game, but that's about it. Everybody else is getting old. Um, they added a couple uh, nice defensive additions with Terrell Lewis, Sean Robinson, and Leonard Floyd, um, but not a, uh, not, a, uh, not a huge fan of this team. I think they're going to be below 500. Oh, yeah. I, I, I 100% agree. I think when you look at just this team and what they want to do, you know, I think Cam Akers has the potential to be, you know, a top 10 running back next year. Uh, this year, obviously, he's going to be growing pains. That's why they brought Jeremy Hill in to be the guy who gets beat up, try to keep Cam Akers healthy. Uh, bringing in Ashawn Robinson for Detroit was a huge move. Leonard Floyd, he showed a lot in Chicago last year, you know, plugging play. But even then, you know, this is defense. You look at their defense. Anyone that's not named Aaron Donald on this team, the only other guy you can name is Jalen Ramsey. So mm-hmm. the issues of trying to fill in, okay, what, what's our identity on defense? You know, when they had linebackers that could go around and cover the pass, cover the middle, and they had, you know, Taylor Rapp, it was a guy who could develop into really good safety. Yeah, I was just about uh, to say, they're, they're, their secondary is pretty young, but I yeah. think it's, it can develop well. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. It's just going to be the keyword there is develop. Okay, what does that look like? In a, again, no preseason, no experience. How You can only base this off of last year's performance. Mm-hmm. So, that. yeah, it's, it, it's just it, it's a tough nine. You say seven and nine. I would agree with that. About six and ten, seven and nine. They won't mm-hmm. be terrible, but they're going to struggle a little bit um, yeah. miss the playoffs. I think the key for them is going to be moving forward is can Cooper Cup stay healthy? Because you saw for him, he was the guy that got the Brandon Cooks and the Robert Woods open because yeah. you had to cover the middle of the field with Cooper Cup. That left your slants, your goes, and your play action. The, for other guys, your Higbees, uh, even you had Gurley out of the backfield. Now that Gurley's gone, that's a huge thing too. We didn't even talk about that, but Todd Gurley's mm-hmm. been the identity of this team for two and a half years. 
it, well, I mean, you saw you saw last year. Last year, he was still yeah. the identity, but he wasn't good. So, yeah, yeah. so it didn't work out for the team. Yeah, um, he's just, uh, and we'll talk about him with the Falcons. Yeah, um, with the 49ers, uh, again, Super Bowl contender from last year. Uh, well, what do we got going in there this year yeah. for the 49ers? Well, they had a surprise retiring with their offensive tackle, but they uh, managed to really get, I think, even an upgrade with a trade for Trent Williams from Washington. And really, you know, they gave up nothing for it. Uh, you look at the, the free agencies. It wasn't huge outside of Trent Williams of who they got, but I think it's because they're able to retain. I didn't write down how many people they re-signed on the list. They're really able to retain every key component. So you look at their depth chart. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty stinking good Jeff chart on their team. You have uh, with obviously their running backs and their backfield situation, Raheem Moore, you know, is he going to stay or not? I think it's pretty much sailed that he's going to come back. Uh, Tevin Coleman, obviously it's a great backup option and then Kyle Kuzik the way that San Francisco used him last year I think really revitalized the fullback position obviously you're not going to talk about the offense without talking about George Kittle I think everyone knows about him mm-hmm. uh, adding a weapon like Brandon Cooey from Arizona State University this guy is a really lengthy guy it's a tall yeah, do you guy like him? Do you yeah like, uh... I do I was a huge fan of him I especially I wasn't a fan of him when he caught a 68 yard pass touchdown to knock Oregon out of the playoffs last year. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know what? He has a ton of upside. I think the one area of concern is, okay, how do you develop a wide receiver in this offense? Because, okay, you had Emmanuel Sanders, who was a speed threat and a home run spread off the play action pass, but there really isn't a, a, you know, a good wide receiver on the side. You know, Debo Samuel, there's a – Is he fast you know, enough? You know, I'd, I'd say he's fast enough against the lower tier corners. I think it's going to be his footwork and his building up some strength. He needs to get stronger to be able to take the press, the uh, coverage. Yeah, Ramsey. yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ramsey, you look at uh, Quinton Dunbar coming back uh, for Seattle. So, you, you know, it's going to be those guys, how he gets open. Uh, that, that's going to be a little bit difficult, except for the fact that play action pass exists. Should even buy um, yeah, exactly. I think a huge loss, though, for the uh, in the gamble in my mind for the Niners. Obviously, cap space influences, but trading DeForest Buckner to the Colts. Uh, mm-hmm. You you looked at what San Francisco's defensive identity last year it was that stinking defensive line eating up backfields. Yeah. Eric Armstead had a career year. DeForest Buckner career year. Well, let's look at let's look at who's yeah. on that Niners line now. You got you still yeah. have Armstead, Bosa, Elite elite defensive ends right there yeah you have elite defensive ends it's going to be exactly so right now the goal for this year is solomon thomas it's a guy their first round pick from a couple years ago is he he gonna get a chance yeah he's gonna get a chance he's gonna be the guy he's gonna be the guy he might not stay there kinlaw is their boomer bust pick the thing about kinlaw is okay this guy is an ear guy he was a four-year guy at south carolina he showed i want to say it wasn't eliteness. It was he maintained his name in the SEC defense. So I don't think there's anything elite about him, but I think what will – actually, let me phrase that. I don't think there's anything that, like, just, oh, you know, he doesn't have the Nick Bosa speed or the Eric yeah. Armstrong strongness. But having those two guys around him will create opportunities for him. So I think that's going to be the thing is, okay, it's going to be a less opportunistic defense where, okay, they didn't need to blitz last year. They had four guys. They didn't need to blitz. They're going to have to blitz this year to get pressure up the middle. You think they're going to have to blitz? Yeah, I do. Because I don't think Kinlaw is a raw enough pass rusher. And Solomon Thomas, he had one good game 
where he had pressure on the quarterback. You look at his pressure rate in the who NFL. Who else is on that team, bro? Yeah. Uh, I'm looking here. I'll, I can this. Yeah. D, D, D Ford's on that team. Uh, mm, I don't think he is. Who am I thinking uh, of? D Ford was – sorry, you're right. You're right. D Ford is on the team. He's I was thinking Kansas City. Yep. D Ford is backup defensive end uh, in a NASCAR defense where he's able to uh, rush the passer. That's definitely a good option. Uh, that's, but it all. that's it for the defensive line. There's got to be another defense. Yeah, I mean, DJ guessing. Jones is a guy uh, there, but it, there really isn't a lot there. That's can, the Eric, can, can Eric play inside? So, at Oregon, Eric played 3-5-7. and seven. So, he can be a three-technique defense. And if you had a Kinlaw at O'Nose, one technique, or Solomon Thomas, you know, one, and went 3-DN, yeah, you could do that. Uh, I think the issue there is you really expose yourself for the run. Eric Armstead, he's a solid guy, but yeah. he's not a good run defensive. Nick Bosa. Yeah, Niners, you, Niners are going to have some challenges. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to be a cakewalk. It, it, yeah, <laughs> I, I think you look at, okay, they have solid linebackers. with Fred Warner really stepped up last year. Quan Alexander, yeah. obviously a huge get from Tampa. Uh, you know, Richard Sherman, I, I'm sorry. Like, I'm a Seahawks fan. I love Richard and Legion Boom. He, he showed some decline last year. You mm-hmm. saw his step against the speed. If he could not press, he got beat. I'm sorry, he got beat. And he got in the your safeties, you have Jimmy Ward and Terry. You don't have guys that can make up and cover for him, and then you don't have a secondary corner. So mm-hmm. I think for them, it's going to be that linebacker core that's really going to. Could, be. The, could the Niners miss the playoffs? No. Do, do you think there's a chance that they miss the playoffs? I don't think they can miss the playoffs, but I don't think they're the best team in the NFC this year. NFC. Oh, NFC. West, West, okay. West. NFC, NFC West. West, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, yeah they're, they're, they're secondary. That that worries me. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not great at all. It's what makes San Francisco football win. Barely mediocre. Time of possession and turnovers. Yeah. That's what they were able to disrupt last year with their D-line, force bad passes, forces three and outs, and then they just ran. I, the think, there's a, I think there's a chance they miss the playoffs, bro. I really do. If Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, 100%. Uh, ah, I, even with him hurt, I think he threw, threw double-digit interceptions. Yeah. He threw double-digit interceptions, but if you also look at statistically, his uh, passing attempts were – or not passing attempts, pass, uh, completion percentage were top 10. You look up his uh, – actually, his uh, completion rate is also top 10. So here's the thing about him. He's a play-action passer. He's not going to be a guy like an Aaron Rodgers or Mahomes or Russell. Right. He's going to throw for the win. But yeah. when he's throwing in a rhythm in the play action, it's beautiful. But when you rush him, when, you know, hey, that first down pass doesn't go away and it's a second and long, third and long, that's you, when you get into his head. Do you remember the throw that he missed in the Super Bowl to Daniel yeah. Sanders? Was that play action? It, it You know, it – I don't remember the, uh, I know. the I don't formation remember. of the play. Yeah, I, I think the one where he missed, it was an errant throw. I think he rushed it in his mind. And I think he was – because he was getting pressured that game a lot by um, – But he wasn't Frank pressured Clark there. I think he had a clean pocket. I think he was throw. expecting it. And when he realized he had time, I don't think he set himself. You know, it's you know when you're rushing your mind, hey, I got to be here. I got to throw it. And then it's like, oh, I'm open. Like – how you were thinking about that play, it, you know, it, you lose one second thinking about it, and I think that's what happened to him. Yeah, no so, doubt. So I, 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 you can't, you can't change my mind. I think there's a. I'm gonna, I'm gonna create a case to get the 49ers out of the playoffs this oh, year and oh, get yeah, my I, Cardinals in. You know, the the, the, the reason why <laughs> going, I think 
Yes, sorry, I'm going biased with my takes. Yeah. <laughs> having, having seven teams make the playoffs this year, uh, yeah. I it's just it. I think they're too good of a team. I think their defense still is going to be top ten in pass rush. I still see, think I, they're going to be able to turn over. We'll see. Uh, the NFC East. Uh, I see Cowboys and the Eagles coming out of there, though. I see Cowboys. I don't know about the Eagles, man. I I'm, wait, wait, I'm not wait. I'm not a huge fan of Carson Wentz. Hold on. So if there's three teams that come out of the NFC West, three, four, five, six, there's still another wild card spot. Yeah. We'll, um, see. we'll see what happens. I, I think the NFC South is going to be competitive. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You got these are your playoff contenders. Yeah. Um, whoever in the North, Chicago, whoever comes out of the North, you got Chicago, one team. Chicago, Minnesota, we'll just, Green Bay. We'll just, we'll just say one team in the North because there's no way they're going to have a wild card. You got one team in the North. You got the Eagles and the Cowboys. That's, that's three okay. teams right there. You got the Saints and the Buccaneers. That's five teams. And then you got three teams coming out of the NFC West um, that are contenders. Yeah. Uh, Rams might surprise some people. Um, See, uh, yeah, they'll be around 500. Let's talk Seahawks, bro. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Seahawks, they had a very productive and very active offseason, and it's not done yet. Uh, I think it's not done done yet. You know, there's uh, potential talks about they really are going to go after Everson Griffin or possibly Clay Matthews to ensure the end. But there's also, uh, the longer it goes, the more they become a trade threat for Jacksonville's Yannick Nakakui. Uh, he yeah, but wants what about, out. you saying Cl- they can't get Clowney? They can't just sign him on a one-year deal? So, same thing. The, long, the longer it goes, the more Clowney should come back. I think yeah. the reason why is Seattle's looking at about $10 million in cap space. And Tennessee, or sorry, not Tennessee, Cleveland offered him around 12, 13 mil. Oh, so, I think okay. he'll probably settle around there. Uh, I think Cleveland and Tennessee are probably his first and second in terms of cap space. Uh, but it comes down to, you know, if he really wants to win, yeah. He, I, I, I don't think it's out of possibility. I think where Seattle's going to look more productive is, okay, where can I get a guy cheaper that's going to be a short-term goal? Uh, you know, one and done. So if I can get an Everson Griffin, if I can trade for a Yannick Nagakui, you know, both those guys, you look at the, the sacks last year, okay, Clowney played through a hernia, but even with his pressures, you know, he finished with four sacks, you know, 30 uh, tackles. He, you know, had a good bout of quarterback pressure. Uh, you had with Everson Griffin had eight and a half sacks, uh, mm-hmm. 37 tackles, I believe Griffin. it was. Griffin's a better pass rusher. Yeah, than he's a better pure pass rusher. Uh, he's also a, with the health concern is also something I think it's underrated to talk about. Clowney's had three or four injuries in the last three years that has limited his season. Griffin's pretty solid. He had a sprained ankle, I think three years ago it was, Uh, but he's been, he hasn't missed a beat. And then you go to the side with Yannick. Okay. This guy was a pro bowler last year. Uh, The possibility of adding him and bringing him into the long-term mix. There's, you know, great possibility there. So I think, I think they'll make one of those moves between Griffin Clowney and Yannick. Uh, but even if they don't, you look at some of the transitions they made. Okay, Greg Olson, I think, was a very underrated signing, not only mm-hmm. for his playing ability, which he's still, you know, he's going to be a 40-catch guy, six to seven touchdown catch guy, but as a locker room, as a leader, to help develop some of these young tight ends you have with Will Disley, with uh, Jacob Hollister, 
Now you bring in two of their draft picks, Colby Parkinson and Steven Sullivan. You bring in a guy like Wilson to help show the demeanor, how to prepare yourself, how to keep yourself going. I think it's going to be huge for those guys, which no one uses tight ends. That's a loaded tight end group. That's a loaded tight end group. Only San Francisco and uh, Dallas uses their tight ends more than Seattle. Raiders have like five tight ends too. They have uh, Morio, Morio, um, uh, Waller. Win and there's uh there's a, they have another tight end as well that uh yeah has been impressive. So um, I I think that's going to be huge for CL's identity your mo- moving your forward. Most, your most important player on offense is Will Disley. Why? Yeah, Will Disley is a guy where if you look about his production, his rookie year he had in his three games played he had I think it was twelve catches and four touchdowns. Uh, and then he had his injury. Same thing last year. His production was leading one of the top three tight ends in terms of statistical standpoints before he got hurt. You look at how Seattle uses him, though. He's the guy that they would go to on third down. You know, he averages mm-hmm. like 12 yards a catch. Just his positioning, he's the guy who can block. And how Seattle uses the play action, it's huge for them. He's a the yeah. guy that I think they Russell – play a lot can- out of shotgun, right? They're, they're a hybrid West Coast team, so they can go shotgun, they can go eye, they can go single back, they can go empty. They're actually one of the few teams that r- runs the most formations. The reason for that is they take uh, a case right. on matchups. So against a team like a San Francisco, they can go a wideout. A team like against Arizona, you're going to see a lot more undergun. The reason for this is you want to stack the box and then let your guys go out in space, whereas against a San Francisco, you want to spread it so there's not as many pass rushers and then go quick gains. So I think that's where Seattle has their strength. I think obviously when you got a guy like Russell Wilson, who is similar when you think about Tom Brady and Peyton Manning for calling their own game, I think you're going to see a lot more from that is Russell calling his own game this year. Uh, Seattle's dangerous. They're dangerous, and you look at their weapons. Oh yeah, you said you said you said tight end. I mean, just you know, tight end Parkinson. Parkinson won't do much, but Disley and Olsen will be pretty. Mm -hmm. uh, They'll be Disley was posting elite numbers. Yep. Before he got injured, Olsen has always been solid. Um, just very, very sure hands right there. And yep. um, and then at the wide receiver spot, you have Lockett and Metcalf, which I just love. I yeah, love, Met- I love Metcalf. Yeah, we. I love Metcalf's uh, development in yep. in the second half of the year. Lockett would post the numbers that I wasn't really expecting. I didn't think he could be that yeah. guy, but he can be that guy. You look um, at touchdowns over the last two years. Uh, Tyler Lockett is second with 18 touchdowns over the last two years in the NFL. Tyreek Hill is 19. So wow. you look at the impact of what he brings. Then you bring in a guy like Philip Dorsett, a guy with 4-3 speed that can spend okay. the field. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. We're not talking about Philip Dorsett, bro. Okay. Okay. This guy has played with Andrew Luck and Tom Brady. Yeah. And he sucks. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he, he provides impact. You see, you Dude. saw the moments. It Obviously, it's a different style of offense, but still a weapon. Tom Brady hated him. He didn't throw to him in the playoffs. Yeah. In their, uh, in their, in their, in but their, uh, Tom Brady can't throw the ball past 20 yards anymore. Oh, so. there it is. <laughs> uh, anyways, no. Uh, no, you're right. I think it's been the potentials there, the speeds there. It's going to be the development. But when you got a guy like Russell Wilson throwing – I mean, you got a guy named Malik Turner who's no longer on the team, Jaron Brown, all these nobodies who are able to produce because of how Russell Wilson is. I don't know. I, I, I think it's enough to say it's at least a weapon because of his yeah. speed. 
I would uh, love to see Philip Dorsett finally come come together because his speed I would is too. ridiculous. Yeah, it'd be yeah, I'm yeah. sure you would. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, then, play, he's played with Andrew Luck and uh, Tom Brady, and he couldn't get it together yeah. like they. So that's why I always thought it was. It's just it, they, yeah, they probably didn't schemes. use him correctly. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. really tough. Uh, you look at with you know Luck when he was injured, when he wasn't injured, you know there really wasn't much there. Uh, with Brady, you look at the identity of the offense and scheme and where they positioned him. I don't think it was used well in terms of they didn't have a lot of deep throws. They didn't use his speed. It was over the middle. It was hooks. It was posts and in routes was the main of their offense off of play action, off of going. And that's that's just, you don't don't utilize speed that way. And that's Uh, not their offense. Seattle, you said lock it. I mean, DK is a four-four receiver. Posts and streaks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got your streaks. So I think there's going to be a lot of potential. I also see they upgraded their offensive line. I think this is the most underrated part when you look at, okay, they got rid of uh, Jermaine Fetty, which I've been praying for for the last two years. Uh, Justin Britt went down with the injury last year. So they bring in a starter from P- Pittsburgh with B.J. Finney. They're going to put it at center. They're, you know, just plug in right away. Brandon Shell, he was a starter of the Jets, played really well there going to be a right tackle you draft Damian one Damien Lewis I think he's the best interior offensive lineman if not in the college football last year especially in the SEC a four-year start or three-year starter uh he where did he come out of Alabama LSU 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 he was on yeah. that amazing LSU I, I, team. I know I know I know uh, my LSU listeners are going to be happy about it yeah that. So I think doing that, you ensure your offensive line, especially in the middle, because you bring in a guy like Phil Haynes, who is the underrated and probably would have been on the first-team rookie team if he played the whole year last year. So I think you look at CL's offense there. The offensive line is approved. The tight ends, you added a plethora of weapons. Let Russell go to work, and this team's scary. Hey, we haven't even talked about the defense yet. I I was just about to say. (laughs) So we've talked all their offense. We talked a little defensive line. Um, we know what that looks like. The linebackers has always been solid with uh, with uh, Wagner. Um, who's their other linebacker? Uh, KJ Wright. K- yeah, KJ Wright. They added Jordan Brooks. Where do I know Jordan Brooks from? Jordan Brooks played at Texas Tech. He was a four-year Texas starter Tech, at Texas yes. Tech. He yeah, was teammates they, was with their, Patrick Mahomes. That was their second-round pick? First-round first round. pick. First-round pick. That was their first-round pick yep. late uh, – Late first round pick, yep, and uh, we were all we were all looking at every, you know yeah. we weren't expecting it. We weren't expecting it, but I think yeah. we can guarantee that the Seahawks have drafted exceptionally in the last ten years, last five years. Yeah, they they and they're the they, diamond. If in they're the rough. grabbing Jordan Boots there, then I mm-hmm. think we can say that he's probably a very talented linebacker, and he's going to be their next elite linebacker. Yeah, in an interview uh, last week, Pete Carroll and John Snyder were on with. Um, Oh, one of the former quarterbacks for Seattle get his name afterwards to the podcast, and they were interviewing him talking about what they're going to do is they're moving K.J. Wright from a weak side backer to strong side backer, meaning that K.J. Wright is going to be right next to Bobby Wagner, and they're going to move Jordan Brooks to be the outside backer, the Michael Kendricks role that they had last year for him before he tore his ACL. So uh, Brooks is going to be the young guy who's flying around, and K.J. Wright's now going to be stacking the box. So I think you look at that linebacker group, uh, and I'm talking about the Shaquem Griffin who came on last year, had three and a half yep. sacks really speed guy uh cody barton probably the one of the smartest linebackers in the league and he'll definitely if you know he'd be he'd be a starter on you know 20 other teams if he wasn't in seattle and he'll he'll once kj retires after this year cody barton will be starting linebacker of the future so i think that that, yeah the linebacker crew is one of the best if not the best in the nfl jamal adams bro 
Let's talk about it. Yeah, you're talking about Legion of Boom versus uh, this group. You took like, this defense. Uh, Jamal Adams, you saw the impact. If it wasn't for a guy named Aaron Donald, this guy would have been defensive player of the year. Jamal, Tom- uh, Jamal Adams is better than Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor. We can agree with that, correct? Yeah, I think he's the best of both of them. You look at terms of the speed and how he's covered coast to coast, where Earl Thomas is so well in covering the IQ, the physicality in terms of going up to be able to make a hit. I mean, you look at he had four, four and a half sacks. He would have led the Seattle team in sacks last year from the safety position. So in terms of the impacts there, that's obvious. Uh, you'd like to see a couple more interceptions in coverage, but he's not going to be in coverage. He's going to be a Cam Chancellor's role and uh, position-wise in Seattle. And so I think that's why, and I sh- you show them, my most important player on their defense is the other safety, Keandre Diggs. He was a trade from Detroit last year. You saw the impact that he had with he led the team in picks in terms of pass deflections, flying over the field. When he's healthy, mm-hmm. that team was legitimate uh, secondary team. So n- now you have Adams. He was forced to do everything in the Jets' defense. Now he has linebackers. He has pass rushers that can do it for him. He has guys in secondary with Dunbar, Griffin, and Diggs that can cover he can go be him now and make plays and be a ball I, hawk. I thought the Seahawks were a playoff team before Jamal Adams. Now mm-hmm. they are absolutely Super Bowl contenders oh, yeah. um, and one of the top two or three teams in that uh, in that in that conference. Oh yeah. Um, shit, shoot, um, in the in the in the NFL, they're a top five team. Yeah. Um, so uh, I like that. That's good stuff. Let's move to NFC South. We got 15 minutes left. Um, Let's get to it. Yeah, we'll fly by a little bit quicker. We'll uh, Falcons and Panthers real quick. Not much with them. Uh, Let's 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 talk Falcons real quick. They added a vet and uh, Todd Gurley, a vet and Dante Fowler. Yeah, I think those are two guys where when you're a fringe playoff team, you want to add guys that are going to be leaders and guys that have the playoff experience. You talk about the Super Bowl experience that Gurley had. And so you want to bring that in to be that next boot where, okay, you talk about Matty Ice, you talk about Julio Jones, who, you know, if it wasn't for Michael Thomas, would be the best receiver in the NFL. Uh, I think LeCon Treadwell is actually going to be a guy where he didn't have an opportunity in Minnesota. I think Atlanta and Matt Ryan's going to give him a chance to be, you know, a wide receiver three in fantasy leagues. Uh, so I think those were good moves. Uh, I think, you know, you look what they lost. Obviously, they lost four starters with Vic Bisley, Desmond Trufant, Devontae Freeman, and Austin Hooper. Uh, that was that was really tough. And so I think looking for that moving forward is okay. Gurley's going to probably be able to get most, if not, of Devontae Freeman's roles. Devontae Fowler is an X-factor, which was probably better than Vic Beasley. Uh, so the question is going to be, okay, how do they put it together? The issue is there's not a lot of time not. to develop. And so I think it's just, you know, it's just their year away. Uh, and so you look at even with their toughest stretch, I mean, they have a, they have a tough schedule uh, with that stretch of being at New Orleans against the Raiders, New Orleans again, at the Chargers, home against Tampa, at Kansas City, at Tampa. So this, the end of the year is just brutal for them. Uh, Marlon's uh, the, not going to like hearing this, but yeah, Falcons are just going to be bad. They're yeah. Bad. They're bad, but you know, Tank – Tank for uh, does um, does Quinn get fired or does their owner is a very good owner? So I their, think that their owner is a good owner, but Dan Quinn has had Matt Ryan for four years now, and they haven't made the playoffs. That's it. I mean, in the NFL days, you know, Cleveland fires a new coach every wait, Sunday. Wait, how long? How long is, has Quinn been there? Uh, I'm pretty sure Dan Quinn's been in there for four years now. Let me look that so up. So 16, he was he was. I'm pretty signed? sure that's when they signed him. Okay. I mean, they, I mean, they made uh, the Super Bowl that one year. Sorry. That's it. 
Sorry, he's been, yeah, he's been the head coach since 2015. Okay. I thought it might have been one more year. Yep. Um, four seemed a little too short. Yeah, so – But you think he gets fired? I, I, I think it's tough. I mean, you look at – okay, he made the Super Bowl and the biggest, you know, default. Then they went and they got upset by Philly in 2017. And then two seven and nines a year. I, I think if they're not above 500, I think Quinn's gone. I think that yeah. team is too competitive – and Matt Ryan is a quarterback where he has a couple years left that you can't waste. I like right. Dan Quinn, and I'm a huge fan. I hope he doesn't. But I just look at the, how competitive the league is and look at that division. You know, Tom Brady's there. You got New Orleans there. Carolina is – I mean, they're, they're going to be a development team, not this year. But look at, you know, two, three years from now, Carolina's going to be right up there again. So I think you need to bring in, you know, some new blood. If, if this, you know, if they finish – at a six and ten, five and eleven. I think I, I think you got to make the move. Yeah, Carolina Panthers. I like them better than the Falcons, yeah. um, and mo- and mostly because of the good things that I've heard from the coaching staff status and uh, the, the the coaching staff and their draft. I love yeah. the draft. Yeah. Um, so, real. Let, let, let's go by. Let's start with the coaching. What do you know about um, uh, Joe Brady? And what do you know about Matt Rule? Uh, Joe Brady was a huge – actually, both these guys were big-time special team guys. Uh, you look at Joe Brady and what he did with LSU last year. He was the third-down offensive play caller and the red zone play caller. You look at – okay, LSU didn't have a whole lot of third downs, but they did score a dang lot. And especially in the red zone, they were the most effective team in the red zone. So you look at how that was called and the more the season went on, the more he got to call Uh, you look at, okay, Joe Burrow, a lot of success is with the team around him. But a lot of it goes to this guy, Joe Brady. He really did a great job of getting the most out of Burrow. Uh, So you look at with a team that's trying to, you know, be a quarterback whisperer with uh, Teddy Bridgewater uh, I think another interesting guy, to, you know, if Teddy doesn't make it, is this P.J. Walker. I got to watch him a lot with Houston in the XFL this year. I think the guy, you know, would be a they top – P.J. Tw- Walker. Yeah. I think he'd be a top 20 guy in the NFL. So, you know, it's like, okay, we know we're going to developing. I think it was huge going out and get Robbie Anderson, lock him down, uh, add Robbie Anderson and D.J. Moore to an offense that already has Christian McCaffrey. Now you just got speed upon speed. Uh, you look at how they like to use DJ Moore with your motion offense, your uh, fly sweep, and to add a guy that has speed on the outside, it's going to be really hard for teams to defend. Uh, Eli Apple, you know, there are some good times yeah. and some bad times for him as a corner. Uh, and then with to your Whitehead, another guy you should be familiar with uh, is – yeah. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't huge, especially look at what they lost. Okay. Kyle Allen was the starting quarterback last year. Wasn't the best case, but he was still the starting quarterback. He's gone. They lost, uh, they lost, they lost yeah. Eric Reed. Eric Irvin, Reed. They lost Bradbury, seven starters, essentially eight Addison, starters. Vernon Butler, Joe McCoy, Dante. Yeah. They lost. Yeah. That. So, so losing that much, they, I, yeah. I, I wanted to flirt with them a little bit, getting close to 500, but with such a young defense, it's yep. got to be closer to that five eleven, like you're saying. Yeah, I think with you don't have time, like you said. There's no preseason. There's no off season with pads. You can't give them the looks with having this many young guys. Now you look at their draft class. We both agree that their draft class is the best thing that over even signing Teddy Bridgewater this year that happened to them. 
you look at the defense he got Derek Brown this guy was a monster at Auburn uh he's your you know Aaron Donald s type guy you bring in a guy like Yoder Gross Matos I think he's going to be a solid guy I think he has that Michael Bennett edge of he's going to be that pass rushing guy uh mm-hmm. Jeremy Chin there's a lot of potential for him uh to be you know maybe a fringe pro bowl safety uh, Troy Pride. I, I think I think a lot of teams slept on Troy Pride. I think he's going to be a future star at corner. Uh, and then you just got guys to you know grow on defense. You look at Matt Rule. And going back to the question you asked earlier, what I know about him and Baylor. You saw what he did with Baylor. It wasn't okay. He didn't have the flashy guys. He didn't have the Baker Mayfield. He didn't have the Kyler Murray. He didn't have the big arm quarterbacks. He didn't have the star running backs. What he built was a team that was competitive. That was that executed and most importantly he brought the only team that showed any defense in the big 12 so i think you look at okay you got a tom brady and drew Brees' division well a couple years from now both those guys are going to be gone so what's going to be in that division a couple years from now it's going to be the defense no doubt yeah they're going to build from the defense are we uh five more minutes bro okay wrap it up wrap up the last three minutes on my own um, the uh, let's talk Saints real quick. That's the one. That's, this is your smallest one anyway, because the Saints haven't changed much. They added yeah. a little bit, um, but we're going to see the same Saints from this year, uh, okay. from from last year. Nothing much is going to change. High-powered offense, uh, good enough defense, and an early exit in the playoffs. My yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's where we see them. I think Malcolm Jenkins is great to bring him home. You talk about Emmanuel Sanders at another burn threat with Michael Thomas. But at the end of the day, it's going to be same old, same old. Same old, same old with the Saints. Um, the, new, uh, the new and improved Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yeah. they went 7-9 uh, and nine last year with Jameis Winston and a very, very uh, pretty, pretty similar team. These are their additions. They added Tom Brady. They added Antoine Winfield. They added Tristan Wirfs. Um, and uh, Rob Gronkowski, of course. Yes. Um, those are their four biggest additions, and um, they didn't lose much. I'm a big fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they have one of the best front sevens in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Ndamukong Su has one more, probably one more elite year left in him. He's about 35 now, 36. Um, but he commands double teams, and he was yeah. able to open up everything for J- JPP and Barrett. Um and yeah. uh, Levante David is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. He's probably – he's a top five middle line linebacker in general. Nobody talks yeah. about him. Devin yeah. White is a young linebacker that is going to mm-hmm. be elite, one of the top fives. But yeah. one of the best front sevens in the league. Their 100%. secondary is going to be interesting. They're young. Um, that's what I see from the Buccaneers. I think they're going to have a fun offense, a fun defense. They'll be a good playoff team. I think they'll be slightly better than Bucket, better than the Saints. That's all I have for them. Yeah. What do you yeah. got? Yeah, I think you look at what their offense is. It's going to be, okay, how much can they get out of the running back situation? You look with, okay, they just brought in LaShawn McCoy and Ronald Jones. You, ha- you, you already mentioned you have the draw up Kankowski, you know, hopefully he can go in. Even if he doesn't produce like he did with New England, you still have O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray. Similar to Seattle, is going to be a lot of tight end schemes. Then you have Mike Evans and Chris Goodwin. Also, I think Tyler Johnson's a very underrated guy that fell to Tampa in a perfect situation to be a W3. Uh, and so it's going to be, okay, can, can, can the running backs produce anything? Can they produce that 15 to 20 touches a game that gets the ball out of Brady's hand, limits the hits, helps the arm? Uh, I think that's going to be the big difference maker for their offense. You mentioned their and defense. You, do you see that? Yeah, I think I think that's a huge thing, and I think that's what. No, no, but like, do you think that will happen? Do you think that Ronald Jones can handle fifteen to twenty carries, 
and get a thousand yard rushing a thousand yard rushing season will ronald jones do that with uh, the off um and the off speed will either be lashawn mccoy or uh Bob. yeah i think with do mccoy that. he can do it i don't think he needs to be that guy that gets a thousand yards i think no. it's just... who, who will be the thousand yard guy like ronald jones. Think, I, you said I, you said most important yeah. player on offense is ronald jones is i don't either i say he's the most important because he has the sole job of taking the edge off brady you look at how they use guys like um, Sony Michelle and uh, oh, I can't remember the the bulkhead three man backfield. How they're able to spell Brady the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronald, I think Ronald Jones can be a thousand yard rusher. I don't think he has to be though. I think you know if he gets eight hundred nine hundred, that's fine. Like you said, if he can take fifteen offensive snaps a game off of Brady having to use his arm and get hit. I think that's enough to make them 11, five, 12 and 14. Uh, like you said, the defense as well, moving over to that. I think Vita Via is a huge offensive get to bring yes. in him. Ndamukong can sue JPP. That's huge. You bring in Shaquille Barrett. That's the, you know, you don't need to blitz anymore. You said in those four, you don't need to blitz. Like you said, Levante David and Devin white, those two, I think, I think outside of CL has the best linebacker duos uh that mm-hmm. secondary is going to be their you know hit and miss how how fast can they develop into winfield and jordan whitehead uh you mm-hmm. see sean murphy and carlton davis you know can they do press can it be enough to hold say you know the offense is going to you know control time possession what if they can't score enough can the defense do enough to change that's where it's going to be hit and miss i compare them though to the saints defense i'm taking tampa's defense yeah absolutely I completely agree. I'll take the I'll take the Buccaneers defense over the Saints, mm-hmm. and the offense will be. I, I think. I mean, you have more consistency with the running game with the Saints. Yeah. Um, you have a better, more for sure. I mean, if if the Buccaneers had Alvin Kamara, it'd be disgusting. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff, Dryden. Awesome, thank you for man. coming on, bro. Hey, thank you for having me. Yes, sir. I appreciate right. it. Uh, great content. We'll get you on next week for the two the next two divisions. You Sounds decide good, which divisions we're going over. All right. That's good, man. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Um, the uh, um, next, uh, just to just to wrap this up, next couple minutes. Um, let's uh, um, let's discuss what I talked about at the beginning of this show. The NFL injuries that could happen. Um, we'll take a quick three sixty on that. Uh, on everything we talk great 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 statistics great um so i should wrap that up real quick great statistics great data from from my guy dryden um nfc west nfc south great breakdowns there um i've been a big buccaneers supporter ever since tom brady went over there because he is the goat and he brings iq and uh, leadership and accuracy to the Buccaneers that Jameis Winston did not. He very well could win MVP, and I think that he actually will win MVP, but I don't think the Buccaneers are going to make the Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to make the Super Bowl as of now. I'm flirting with it. I want to root for him to get to the Super Bowl, but, you know, it is what it is. Obviously, I'm rooting for my Raiders, but I am realistic. Um, Seahawks look pretty dangerous too. That's a team that I've been sleeping on a little bit, but that Jamal Adams trade is ridiculous. Transforms that team. And I saw a true ex sports junkie talking about how 
talking about the 49ers thinking saying I'm overthinking it. I don't know about that, sir. I don't know about overthinking it. I'm just being realistic. The 49ers have lost a elite player in DeForest Buckner, and they're relying on an interior defensive line of Javon Kinlaw and Solomon Thomas that might not hold up. Their secondary is old with Jay, with their best cornerback being an old guy, Richard Sherman, who can't cover fast, can't cover speed. He might match up well with Larry and with DeAndre Hopkins, but he can't cover speed. Um, that might be enough. Larson's last lines. That's what we're calling this. Again, everybody taking risks for COVID. They're taking risks for COVID, for our entertain with with COVID for our entertainment, for our safety, for our protection, safety, for peace. That's what they're risking their, their lives for, their health for. Maybe not necessarily their lives, but their health. Because again, we don't know, there's, there's been research that is showing that this COVID could have serious effects on your health later, later in the next few years. Heart problems, heart conditions, because lung conditions, because of how what it does to your body. We don't have enough research yet, people. Hands down. So if you're not doing anything to help that, it's, it's really not up to you. Just go along with it. You gotta think about everybody else. I would love to see an NFL season, and I hope we see an NFL season, but I recognize where they are in their minds. There's just a lot of risk. That's all it is. This has been Larson Live, a two-hour show brought to you by the NBS Central Network, Nothing But Sports Central Network. Coming up next is the Nothing But Sports Show. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you guys next week.